Hello, hello. Welcome to the Noobcast podcast for the 3rd of December. That is quite the look. That is quite the look. Yes, I know. That, 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 that is full scheme. <laughs> um, I know you are wondering why I've gathered you here today. <laughs> right. Everyone, welcome to the Noobcast podcast, the gaming noobs podcast where we occasionally stay on topic. Uh, my name is Miss Michelle Jean, joined by our newest reoccurring and uh, previous host of the show the unabridged gamer elijah welcome back to the show this is the walls and grunt is that what Completely it is opposite of the scheming <laughs> super oh goodness welcome back it's it's been a while since you've been here it has been i've been on quite the journey there have been several very odd things some of which may or may not have involved you know Avoiding a house exploding, you know, just, you know, average everyday stuff. Yeah, no, it sounds like your day-to-day, you know, reoccurring business, as it were, you know, nothing, nothing out of the ordinary to be, be had here. No, clearly not. Yes, Basil, I have returned. (laughs) You remain my favorite spice. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, goodness. Uh, yeah, so, uh, I guess with the the welcome back, uh, why not talk a little bit about what you've been up to and what you've been playing and stuff? Okay, well, um, in terms of what I've been doing, I've been writing at The Escapist now for two years, ran Second Look for two years. That's sadly now, um, for the time being, it's on hiatus, but I am still doing lore columns where I've been explaining all kinds of things like... How did Master Chief get off of that broken ring in Halo 1 to back on Earth in Halo 2? And uh, sometimes weirder stuff like, hey, what if the darkest Star Wars timeline and, like, almost everyone dies? Which was a thing that somehow Dark Horse got away with in a what-if comic. So, you know, fun stuff like that. Um, Done some reviews there. I'm now also a reviewer at Boss Level Gamer, so that's exciting as well. Just like been bopping around a bunch of different places the channel has uh Unabridged gamer has been a little bit on the hiatus itself between everything else like moving and all of that but um i'm excited for what's coming down the line i've been exploring with um a lot of new techniques for playing some really hard to find stuff do you know there's an n-gauge emulator now there's an n-gauge emulator wait wait what yeah and it works insanely well i've been playing the elder scrolls shadow key and um, it's remarkably, yeah, it's actually I was, enjoyable. 
I was about to have an eye twitch because he started with the Elder Scrolls. And I don't know if you've been around my content lately, but uh, I have had some <clears throat> particular rants about a certain other Elder Scrolls game. Like, I suspected as much because, yeah, I, I know some other friends who've also had some issues with um, Bethesda. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I'm not going to be able to actively find what I'm looking for either. Right? Nope, I'm sure not. Never mind. I'm not going to be able to pull up what I was going to pull up. But, uh, you know, it's uh, it's this whole uh, people talking about wanting the new Elder Scrolls. It's like, well, if you want a new Elder Scrolls, stop buying Skyrim. But, um, yeah. yeah. And don't play the VR version. It's not worth it. <laughs> no, 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 no. Okay, so an, an N-Gage. God, that... That's 17 years old now? Close to that. The actual handheld models, as I understand it, are actually starting to, like, physically age. The plastic is starting to get weird for some of them from, like, the very launch models, yeah. which is not surprising. It was not made to last. No. So, okay, I can talk a little bit about this, in fact. Um, so, but in, in, in that era of cell phones, uh, there's a lot of phones that had this, like, uh, rubber coating on them. And it's a type of poly i forget the actual material um mr mobile uh talks about this on his youtube channel but it's it basically it's this rubber wasn't designed to last as long as it had and it's starting to break down so it becomes a sticky not fun thing to handle and you actually have to take rubbing alcohol to it in another solution to completely remove it and get the plastic that's underneath the the rubber coating it's um it's kind of gross Yes, that's why I'm very happy there's an emulation scene for it, and they got an incredible amount of compatibility. We're no. talking, I think they got over 60% of the library, and there's even, like, fan patches, so that the one J-horror thing is now playable in English and stuff like that, and the frame rate's solid. They haven't got multiplayer working yet, which is a thing that I know most people are like, okay, but what multiplayer is there for N-Gage? But no, Elder Scrolls Shadow Key has co-op multiplayer. It's an actual feature in the game on the main menu, clearly displayed. It's just that you can't currently work with it right now. So I'm really curious to see if they can get that working. Um, besides that, I've also been doing, you know, like just some digital archivist type stuff, finding some uh, unfinished stuff. And um, there is a certain Star Wars game that I'm poking around in that uh, some very clever people managed to track down. And I'm very excited for the video I'm doing on that because just like, oh my gosh, I never thought I'd actually get to play this. because. I was like one of the few people who remembers that this build exists because currently you can only see it in the earliest trailer. So, but in terms of like actual game games that are released and normally available that you don't need an emulator or something to play, um, I've actually been playing a. I'm still allowed to swear. We're we're still allowed to swear, right? Yeah, of course. Well, I've been playing did... a fuck ton of paladins. Okay. Uh, I did not expect that, but um, I have played a boatload of it. Uh, I have become a Saris and Sati main, and it's just, it's like, hey, what if Overwatch didn't spontaneously decide to suck in order to please people who only play DPS? Wait, that implies it's that really it was nice. good in the first place. Pardon? I said that implies that it was good in the first place. Overwatch was good at one point, then they broke <laughs> everything that wasn't just... <laughs> Just McCree, or whatever name he has now, because, you know, we can't call him McCree because of uh, the many litigations that are going on now. But um, 
yeah, basically just like Paladins has become the perfect comfort food for me. It's mm-hmm. really nice. There's a sizable roster and yeah, I, I wish that they made it easier to acquire some of the character skins. They go through some really weird hoops that are honestly more likely to disincline someone to spend money, but otherwise it's well maintained. There's a sizable amount of characters and um They've even been more unflinching than Blizzard about, you know, representation. There's a lot larger spread, much wider spread of people of color. There's uh, multiple queer characters, just like all kinds of really nice stuff. So, yeah, it's it's been a really good time with that. Um, the I'm trying to think of what other notable ones in the time since that I've played. There's one I know that you'll probably judge me for liking. Okay, well, I'll prepare my judgmental hat. There we go. I may have played Metal Gear Survive. Uh, you know, I won't judge too harshly for that. Okay, because there's there's some people who still are just like, why did you play that? And it's just like, because someone I knew said it was fun, and then I played it, and it was like, hey, actually, this is way higher in effort than anyone talks about, so... Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I enjoyed it. It's very nicely constructed. It's very enjoyable, and mm-hmm. it's one of the few darn survival games where I felt like I've actually had to strive to survive. Uh, I, you know, much respect to the Jimquisition and stuff like that, but unlike Sterling, I have not found the fence and poke technique to actually hold up in real, like, serious combat situations. You have to be a lot more tactical and stuff like that. So, yeah, it just it surprised me and was really good, and probably... The biggest surprises for me this year were um, very happy to uh, play uh, the Guardians of the Galaxy game and be like, "Wow, this is just this is just good. This is this is exactly what I've been wanting from like linear action games for the longest time. Like, there's actual agency over your choices. There is a dialogue boss fight where you have to fake remembering singing a song so that the guy doesn't shoot you, and there's actual payoff if you manage to do it and stuff like that. And the final real boss, as far as I'm concerned, like, there's combat encounters besides it, but, like, the final boss is helping someone process mourning. Like, that, I won't say how, I won't say why, I won't do anything, but just, like, it's one of the most emotionally satisfying conclusions I've ever seen for something, and mm-hmm. it's so infinitely better at accomplishing what apparently, like, Naughty Dog wanted to do with The Last of Us Part Two, where it's like, we need to be empathetic to people and not resort always to violence, and it's like, yeah, but Maybe not in a game where you're shiving everyone. Maybe something like Guardians of the Galaxy that's a little bit more about, you know, found family and stuff like that. So that was really nice. And the total flip side is uh, War Mongrels, which I shit you not. You're not going to believe who made War Mongrels because this is a very earnest, very serious, unflinching portrayal of resistance fighters on the Eastern Front in World War II. Like, it is so incredibly... Well done. They even got Geralt from The Witcher to play one of the main characters. You've got everything from Deserters of the Wehrmacht to Polish resistance fighters, and they're all essentially, every one of them is built around like a realistic version of a character you've seen in a game. Like, Lucas is very clearly the Far Cry protagonist. He can do distractions, he can stab people and stuff like that. Whereas Geralt's character is essentially BJ Blazkowicz if he'd been born German. And it just, but they all can die so easily. It's so incredibly nail-biting, and they have such great snares. Like, 
at one point you're breaking into a prison while also playing the person that you have to break out of prison hmm. and ensuring that she doesn't get caught while she's doing her own thing. You're essentially playing two different levels at the same time and it works flawlessly. It's okay. incredible. And guess who made it? Uh, there's one guess that came in from the, uh, the group that did Goat Simulator, although I suspect that is not correct. Uh, no, no. Um, imagine a game that legitimately would just make you want to punch somebody. Well, uh, you're going to have to be more specific than that, but... Okay, I'll tell you. It's the people who made Hatred. Somehow, oh. the studio that made Hatred grew up massively and okay. actually made a very very good very harrowing it's it is not an upbeat game to be playing during the holiday season let me tell you but like it is a legitimately great you know commandos style strategy stealth game which you can play in co-op too okay. um it just like it is incredibly well done i there, there's so many things that typically with a strategy game you're like uh the graphics aren't gonna look that good they do look good they look in remarkably good you know, okay, well, the presentation's not going to be great. The cutscenes are wonderful. The presentation of the Horrors of War are fantastic. Like, this is up there with, like, Brothers in Arms, the original one, in terms of this is a genuine attempt to capture not just the aesthetics, mm -hmm. but the feeling of people during that conflict, which is a bold thing to go for, because it's not happy times, but it is engrossing in a very impressive way. So. Yeah, that's the last one I really want to highlight from what I've been exploring recently. Just like, War Bongrels is really, really good. Okay. Okay. Uh, that's quite a bit of variety you've got going on there, too. Um, you know, I, I guess I'm a little surprised to hear about the, the gameplay in this. So would you describe this as being asymmetrical, or how would you, how would you describe that exactly? It definitely is isometric um, in War Mongrels. Okay. Uh, it's... Done, but you can move the camera around fully. You can even like zoom it in and like hear a radio broadcast from the German army going off to the officers and stuff like that. Okay. There's a ton of accessibility options too. Like you have an a highlighted mode that makes it clear what enemies can see, where they are positioned, what bushes and stuff you can hide in and stuff like that. So that if you're struggling or something like that, you got that. There's multiple difficulty settings. And you can even see like the radius of how much your an explosion of a grenade might cause or something like that. It's really good about trying to let you have full flexibility, plus there's mm -hmm. bonus objectives if you want to go harder. And if you really are a masochist and want to spend hours on a single level, there is a challenge mode that not only is the hardest difficulty, but also it adds additional objectives like, oh, you know that disguise that makes this level really easier? Don't use it. And you have to try to do all of that. So like, okay. they know precisely their audience is, but if you just want to get into it and you'd like to have an accessible entry to the commandos style of like mm -hmm. just controlling a small squad or sometimes just literally just two people, mm -hmm. you can do that and it works very well. There is also a twin stick shooter mode that you can activate, but it is really nail biting. Uh, me and Dan Hidajaguru were trying to do that at one point and just we got a few Nazis down, but without regenerating health or anything like that, med kits are extremely rare it's not an advisable way to go about things. Like, there's cover and everything. It's really fully integrated, but you will get your ass handed to you. Gotcha. Okay. And that kind of... I, I know it's been a while since you've been been on the show, but it kind of 
captures what you've been playing mostly recently is are those games and well yeah paladins has definitely been my main focus otherwise i've just been bouncing around between all kinds of things like for a second look i covered all kinds of stuff the last one i did was on fast and furious crossroads i have been bouncing around all the different genres and yes that game is absolutely like a train wreck but in the most amazing way possible <laughs> absolutely it is beautiful it is beautiful i saw vin diesel surfing on a literal rocket ship it is beautiful if you can find it for like three to five dollars play it I guarantee you, you will not regret it. It is amazing. Oh boy. Okay. Okay. Uh, I I regret regret to inform that my game selection hasn't been quite as uh as plentiful as yours. I guess is to say, um, one of the ones I've been playing quite a bit of lately has been um, at least since the last show is Civilization Six. Um, I've been part of a Civ game that is on Wednesdays with a, another broadcaster, and uh, we've been doing that. But because I had to reintroduce myself to Civ, I've been I've been having to play my own games, and uh, I forget how much of a time sink that can be because all of a sudden three hours have passed, and you're like, oh, I did not meant to spend three hours doing this game. It's just one more turn, guys. It's just one more turn. Uh, oh, yeah. but it's but it's but it's enjoyable. It's uh definitely a, a pretty good game. Um, another one that I've been going, I've gone back to and is it was in my backlog. Um, but Crafty really <clears throat> was excited about it recently. Was Control, and Ooh. I've been playing Control, um, the last week or so. And, uh, I, I mean, I, besides the technical problems I was having the first night, um, so it's a, it's a game I've definitely found intriguing. It's, uh, it's, you, you won't have any issues having some problems with it. I, I she and I have talked about it as well. Cause like we both love the lore. That's mm. something that I really do appreciate about it. But, um, I wish it was less of an action RPG when it comes to like the progression and stuff like that. It's like, this isn't the sort of game that I would want to grind. This is the sort of game that I feel like needs to be a little bit more like the Force Unleashed and just be like, here's cool powers. Just focus on those and just throw cabinets at everyone, which <laughs> you can do. Yeah. Making it all the weirder that there is that much progression just bolstered on. Like, there's essentially strike missions out of Destiny. In this, it's a very odd inclusion, but the story itself is great. Jesse is a fantastic protagonist. It's just, yeah, yeah, that midsection is a little bit weird. I, I don't know why they felt the need to pad it because they've never done that in old Remedy games, like not even Quantum Break, which was a Microsoft one. You'd think that they would have wanted people to be playing it for years and years and years, right? Uh, and it's hard to say why Remedy did that. Uh, I, I mean, because I know other games that, uh, immediately come to mind is like Alan Wake and it, that was nothing like that either. Um, Ironically, it almost was. Like, Alan Wake was almost an open world game and for a lot of the tech did carry over there, but... It um, was, but the padding, like, I, you know... Um, oh, yeah, there, there's not, there's nowhere near the padding. I just, no. I'm just wondering if, if it had been open world, if it would have been in a similar situation. That's No, that's a good question, and it's hard to say. Um, having... So, the my big... <clears throat> my background with Alan Wake is that uh, I also used to be part of a gaming news website way back, and 
my assistant editor at the time was really, really into, still uh, really into Alan Wake. So there was a ton of articles that she was writing about Alan Wake. So having to have to go over her work, just uh, proofread and whatnot. Uh, I got a lot of insight into Alan Wake, but uh, padding or um, bloat was never a thing that was used to describe anything that was happening in the game. Whereas yeah. uh, this has a little bit more of that. Um, I found I found in controlled one of the things that I was comparing it to a lot uh, was the Raccoon City Police Department from Resident Evil Two. Mm. Right, because in yeah, oh yeah, that because that this is like uh, especially with R two make the pacing there is perfect and pretty much is what you'd want from Control. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Whereas it typically ends up feeling a bit more like you're you're you you unlocked half of the precinct now you have to go through the sewer level instead of at the end going through the sewer level for the yeah. climax. It's like every you know like every every chapter or so it's like here's another sewer level. It's yep. like. Uh, Oh, okay, but couldn't I go back to what is good? Yeah, you could. You complete the sewer level. Yeah, so like I got as far as getting a new black prism. I think is where I'm at. Um, but I mean, I've I've already had to go back and and gone over parts of the map again. And part of the reason I used Resident Evil Two uh, to, for comparison's sake with this Metroidvania type gameplay is just. The key systems, what kind of what stuck out to me, because this is different level access cards, and it reminded me so much of the the heart key, diamond key, spade key, and club key uh, that that they used in the police department there as a way to. Oh, you can't go here now. You can come back to it later, but you can't play here right now. Um, so I guess it's a hats off to the game not being very linear in that regard, but at the same time kind of is in the way of the way the story unfolds that is one thing that i'd say the last few years have taught me is that sometimes it honestly is just better to be linear because like i tried dead of war and um i bounced hard off of that like it did basically it's a checklist of all the things i normally would like in a game and i bounced so hard it's like okay maybe sometimes it is better to take a different approach than this yeah so yeah it's very fair to come away from that with control as well yeah I think, I think that that it's it's not always bad to have that that linearness to it, right? And and control has that; it offers that um, in the way of the story. And if you just stick to the main story and none of the side missions, it does that without the the map just feeling like it's a straight line that you have to gun your way through. Uh, mm-hmm. Because other games are notoriously bad for doing that. Um, oh yeah, yeah. It's like don't go full Naughty Dog, but like I mean somewhere between like Killzone and an arcane game somewhere between those two you're pretty good right because I, I don't know about you but uh, you know i mentioned skyrim right and uh, at the at the top of the show but that was a one where you know i got to the first village and I'm like oh you know uh what the f- am i supposed to do here i don't know i don't know where the hell i'm supposed to go and uh, that that nonlinearness of not being able to just point, go that way, stupid. Um, it, I I I feel like having the ability to just to have the game to go, hey, stupid, that way is not a bad thing sometimes. Because, and I think that comes from um, like a player's. 
there's always going to be a group of players that are easily distracted enough where if you don't tell them which way to go, right, they're going to get lost and then they're just not going to play the game. I'm amongst that. Like, you got to give me some direction on where you want me to go because if you don't tell me, I'm going to get lost on it and just go. I have other games that are going to at least, for a story, you're, it's going to at least tell me where I have to go and I can get there. I can choose my route to get there, but at least I know where to go. To be fair, the main story of Skyrim isn't exactly the main pull. Well, but you know what I'm saying? Like, where it doesn't give you any direction. Oh, yeah, you should get some nudges here or there. There should be some voice drops for at least things. That was actually what, you know, usually it would be a coin toss. Like, you could potentially get the nudge, like, hey, if you want to learn magic, go to this place. Mm -hmm. But that doesn't really just happen in a seemingly natural but actually more scripted way. It is so purely organic that there are people who have still missed quests that they probably walked past the quest keeper 50 times. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and I think I think what Control does really well with that is the fact that the the objective of the story, like Jess has got this, she's got this objective that she's trying to achieve, right? But she's running into these hurdles, and she's just like, "All right, well, I got to get this out of the way so I can do this thing, so I can do this thing." And it's it's made clear what you got to do, no matter how you go about getting there. And the RPG player in me wants to explore a lot more, so I getting there is not a direct line necessarily so i get to see a lot more of what what's in uh control hq and i don't know it's um i it's i'm enjoying it um i it's interesting because i don't think it would have been the first game that i would have pulled for if it was just me looking around for one but it's certainly one i'm i'm definitely enjoying so if for nothing else, there's something satisfying about going pew pew, telekinesis, throw a gas tank at your head, pew pew, explosion, you're dead. I, that is incredibly satisfying. Um, <laughs> just to play it bluntly and and uh, the different abilities. Um, I think that's, that's, the gameplay makes it fun. I see we've we've gathered a dessert. <laughs> oh goodness. Yeah, so uh I can definitely control and I've I've been doing that. I think I'm gonna be continuing to do that on Tuesdays for now, um, while I get to the game uh on my channel. Uh and I at this point, even though um it's doesn't perform the best as far as like my system limitations, uh like I, I, I see a little bit where I'm like Oh my god, tech issues, but I still want to get through it. And I, it's, it's still enjoyable enough to continue to play it. So mm -hmm. I've been playing that um, on my own time. The other one I've been playing a bit of is... And this is going to be a little bit of a guilty pleasure. At the same time, I don't care because I've been enjoying the hell out of it. Is Battlestar Galactica Dreadlock. And uh, that is a lot of fun. Especially when you give me a Jupiter-class Battlestar... And you're like, all right, here's your strategy. Go do what you have to do. And you give me that huge battle star to fight with. I'm like, ooh, all right. All the batteries. Here we go. I, uh, I've, I've enjoyed that quite a bit. Don't give me... This is one mission that has me going right now where there's a, just two capital ships and then you got four Cylon ships to worry about. And that's been everything that's been making me very cursy. But um, 
overall i've i've enjoyed it quite a bit it's been added on my favorite things to do on my on my downtime and especially uh given that i've been exploring a bit more of my backlog and and looking at different games to play um as i've not been doing as much with rp so Chris, are you aware of diaspora i feel like i've heard the name it's a mod, uh, I forget for which game, I think it might be Free Space 2, but basically it's a Battlestar Galactica tool conversion. I remember at one point Universal was coming after them, mm -hmm. but, um, you know, it should circle, I think, but yeah, I've seen Consumer they managed to circle around that and still be able to release, so it's not a, you know, strategy game, it's a flight sim, but for what I was told, it was very good, so that might be worth looking into. Okay. Uh, I mean, it's another thing to throw on there. Uh... I think I want to get through what I have now, especially with that. And then, of course, the games that came through during the the autumn summer sale this past uh, past week on Steam. Because there were... I actually, you know, I didn't end up with very many games from this one. But, I mean, there's so many different sales that were going on and the different games to play on there. Yeah, oh yeah, the Steam sale. Goodness me. Um... I feel like I had to get a stick or something to start shaking at people in chat, watching two people in particular. <clears throat> I have no idea what you're referring to whatsoever. Uh-huh. Just absolutely, it's just a complete coincidence that I actually have a physical copy of Wolfenstein in order to bap someone with. <laughs> you know, it, it is what it is. Um, if I can offer one shout-out, really, uh, from the Steam sale is uh, if you appreciate like the classic Metal Gear stuff, like before there was a solid in the name, there is a new parody game that is basically the first real Mel Brooksian comedy game. Like it is a full on loving parody of Metal Gear. Um, Unmetal. It stars this absolute goof who okay. is doing his best David Hater impression, mm -hmm. except um, he's not a trained veteran. He's a civilian, so, like, he can't actually... Like, you can use the gun on enemies, but then you have to go back and treat their wounds while they're unconscious. <laughs> and there's a lot of instances where you can actually change up the scenario and what challenges you have. Like, there's this one quarter where you could say, so there's a bunch of security cameras you have to avoid, or a bunch of armed guards, or a bunch of sheep. Mm -hmm. They have to wade through in the middle of a time trial. And there's all kinds of stuff like that, and it just... It is a very, very specific, very accurate recreation of all of that. Like, it gets the controls and all of that down precisely because not a lot of people remember Metal Gear and Metal Gear 2. They're, like, the last thing that anyone ever touches, even if they have, like, the Metal Gear Legacy Collection on PlayStation 3. Not really many people look back on no. those games. No, because it didn't have the same awareness that Metal Gear had until it became Metal Gear Solid on, on the original PlayStation. Oh yeah, and as Super Bunny Hop put it, basically Metal Gear Solid is almost a word-for-word -word remake of Metal Gear 2, just, you know, made with 3D polygons, and in some cases, actually some corners cut. So this is, you know, a very nice recreation of that, so it's a very awesome thing to poke around in, and just, like, I was so glad to see, I didn't even realize it released, but it seriously released right around the time of the Steam sale. Sure. Uh, you know what scheme didn't show up on the Steam sale, and I'm surprised it was, a. Uh... The most recent from Frontier, uh, because with their sim games, 
Jurassic World Evolution 2 was one I was kind of secretly hoping for, but because of that, I was playing the original game a bit more again, so um, it's, it's fun to have Dino Parks a little bit. Except when the... Sorry. I say, except when uh, those freaking dinos always knock over fences, and then you have roaming dinosaurs running through the park, and you've got to get helicopters up in the air to trank them and get them back to the fences, or back into their fencing area that's supposed to be hopefully repaired so they don't run right back through the hole again, and I'm not talking from experience at all while playing the game. No. Well, the, 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 it's good you mentioned that because like that's the main criticism I've heard is that there's actually a lot more micromanaging in the new one. So um, yeah, I would maybe wait for a sale because right now it sounds like it's kind of got the Evil Genius 2 problem of we figured out what the game needed. More stuff to keep checking in menus instead of just like, you know, to just add more. <laughs> we're, we're good. We're good. Yeah, I think... <sighs> Frontier is good for that, where they are, like, having you micromanage a lot, and un that's kind of what the games come down to, is, is the micromanagement of of their games, instead of enjoying the game for what it has. Um, I think I think that's what I like about, of all their games, Elites, their one game where it's not quite like that, you can actually just take in everything around you, because every other game of theirs, it's really tricky to do that. Um, Planet Coaster or Planet Zoo or anything, all the other games, there's a lot of micromanages to it that, that kind of takes away from it. I think that's of like the simulation games that I play that are builder style simulation games, uh, Skylines and Paragon really win it for me because you can step back from what you're doing and just enjoy the work you've done, mm -hmm. you know, and just admire the work because at the end of the day, after you build something, whether it's a simulation game or Legos, whatever, after you build it after a while, you just want to freaking admire what you've built. Yeah, yeah. Plus, at a certain point, like, it's management. It should run itself to yes. some extent. And that's actually the thing that, like, after trying Evil Genius 2 and bouncing off of it so hard, I reinstalled the old one, and I was just like, okay, is this like how I imagined it? And yeah. Realistically, all they needed to change from the first one is add a fast forward button every now and then and up your minion cap from 100 minions to like just make it like 150 or 200 and boom, it would, it would, you just would need to update the graphics. That's all you would need to do. And instead, it's like, what if like 50 progress meters on so many things you have to keep checking? It's, it, it's really weird how people have been struggling to evolve things like that. Hmm. I don't know. Uh, I'm guessing I'm, I'm I'm trying to think of other games that are are giving you the ability to just admire the work that you've done in that too. But I feel like I'd have to sit there and really give it a thought before I can really put my finger on it because it, it seems like with management games, there's a there's a certain focus on on the mayhem of everything that could go wrong and it going wrong and that becomes the gameplay of your the game instead of the management and just appreciating what you have honestly i blame xcom for that it's particularly xcom 2 because it's built around that like to the point that i've even heard like hardcore xcom fans be like yeah this game is just intentionally broken to screw you over sometimes and you well, can I also thought that's the way it was way, designed right? it's just it, <laughs> No, I'm talking like, you know, there's XCOM hard, and then there is, yep. oh my gosh, this just does not feel finished, and 
Yeah, XCOM. I've heard some people allege that, and that's why I'm glad that there's a mod support, at least on PC, but console players don't get that. So, yeah, it's it's a bit of a mess. There's a comment, uh, MMOs always let you admire your characters in Fashion Wars. That's true, but those aren't simulation games. Those are MMOs. But you're right. You do get to enjoy that there, at least. It's something. Uh, it's better than nothing, I suppose. Yeah, and, like, there are there are games getting better at letting you just admire your accomplishments and stuff like that, you know? You know, you know it's like a feeling of accomplishment without a loot box. What a wild idea. <laughs> Let me just look at my work and feel good about it. Gosh. Yeah. Um, I think that's everything I've been playing, more or less. I'd have to look at my Steam library, but if I did that, I think it screws up my, my lovely uh, Christmassy background I've got going on right now. I don't want to do that right now, so... Uh, um, given it's just us, and I feel like our discussion is going to be faster since it's just two heads talking instead of the standard three that we've been going with, do we just want to pop, uh, jump right into the, the various things that we've just, um, and I think a way to start is just wrapping up the, the autumn sale that Steam had, uh, was there anything from the Steam's autumn sale that stuck out to you? Uh, well, I finally picked up Viscera Fest, which is just, you know, it's very delightful fun. Um, long story short, it's very much, I feel like calling a first-person shooter is being generous because unless you're playing on the lowest difficulty setting, you're going to be so starved for ammo that it's mostly a first-person melee game. You're going to be punching people in the face and then ripping their, out their hearts and eating them. You play as essentially the most Lovecraftian human ever made, and um, she's a space bounty hunter. And she mm -hmm. wants to earn enough money to make an engagement ring to her accountant boyfriend, who's just absolutely adorable and super small and, and just fantastic. Okay. And this crazy cult starts being up to shit, and she just takes on the target and goes full Duke Nukem on them, like one-liners for all kinds of things, things that you're, you're not even expecting. And it's all done looking like it's the build engine, and it's just very delightful and amusing. Uh, okay. I also feel like it's worth mentioning in terms of sales. If you do want to grab one of my biggest surprises, actually, I, I didn't think of it until just right now. But if you're like an 80s cartoon fan, you'll appreciate this. Um, Fanatical is currently doing a platinum bundle where it's do what you want and you can lump them and shove them together. And like mm -hmm. there's the Nick Kart Racer game, the second one with more characters and stuff, which is surprisingly solid. Um, but the real, genuine, just, oh my gosh, why did this get such a rough reception? This is so much fun. G.I. Joe Operation Blackout. Like, this is a G.I. Joe game where Lifeline and Mainframe have a vehicle section. Dial Tone has not only a presence, but an actor who actually delivers the lines with just the right level of cheese. Dave Fanoi and Frida Wolf are main characters in this. They're doing Roadblock and Lady J just like... I'm not deeply invested in G.I. Joe, but even as just a cursory person who's morbidly seen the live action movies this is lovingly crafted this is a, like a really legitimately great thing and it's essentially like if volition's agents of mayhem didn't suck so much it was just a series of coincidentally to our previous topic linear missions mm -hmm. and it just it's got a very playstation 2 era style of things going on it's just like it's got lots of cool stuff it's uh you can play as virtually any of the main cast. Like you, you can play as Duke or Cobra Commander, and they there's a dedicated button to make them both go Cobra and Gojo. It's just like 
this is a really lovingly crafted project. So, like, yeah, if you have any passing interest in that or just 80s throwback, it, it's amazing fun for, like, six hours and just... I don't understand why every critic on the planet was upset that this thing didn't, like, profoundly redefine human existence. Because, like, it's, it's, a, it's, it's, a, it's a licensed tie-in third-person shooter. The fact that it runs well is enjoyable and has adorably self-aware dialogue that isn't too hard on the meta humor. It's just like, yeah, I think this is perfectly fine for what it is. They understood the assignment. I just don't know if anyone reviewing it did. Fair. Uh, kind of looking at, I, I had to, I had to break the background anyway, just because, um, <clears throat> so I had to go look. The only thing I picked up from the from the autumn sale this time around was uh, Dorf, is it, it, how do you pronounce it? Dorf romantic, Rom romantic, Dorf romantic. That's it. I see it. Dorf romantic. It's a it's a little city builder, but it's little hexagons, and you basically it's a stack of hexagon tiles that you um that have different um elements of like landscape. So there's woods, there's villages, there's like path rocks, there's uh water pieces and and railroad pieces, and basically build out a a, a a city and landscape with this with this uh stack of of hex cards, and it's such a chill and relaxing game as you build and as you uh, like put so many certain tiles together, like if you build a small village, you get an extra stack of, of cards to continue to build on. And you just try to build as large of a landscape as you can with the with the stack that you have until you run out of out of uh, stacks. And it's no real like, oh, I beat the game or are uh, I lost. It's just see how big you can get the the play area. And it's the the music's very relaxing. The gameplay itself it's a very zen style game. And it's really easy to pick up. Like you you play it for the first time, get the, the tutorial, and it's it explains itself and it's very easy to play uh, mm -hmm. i uh i i had it on my list to look at and it it took while it was on sale there were three different friends at like that are in different like social circles that were all playing it at the same time and i'm just like fine okay i'll give this a go because clearly it's not that bad and it's on sale why not and yeah turned out to be a very chill game um less chill but i'm glad that i remembered it um if you have any interest in the max Payne games you might want to grab them because they've mysteriously been delisted in a few regions already and given how rockstar handled the grand theft auto remasters if they're planning on doing the same thing with max Payne, you want the originals before they do anything so that is worth bearing in mind. That said, actually, there's one I sent you, Miss Michelle, that's also worth mentioning. Uh -huh. um, if there are any fond fans of the Resident Evil games, there is a very loving nod back to it. Um, Prototype Mansion, mm -hmm. which, right. yeah, it's um, part of a duology now. They've got an ongoing series. They got a new one now, Garden Variety, Body Horror, Rare Import, but basically... They even have, if you get it on Itch.io, there is a printable CD cover that makes this look like as if you just found it at a yard sale and stuff like that. But okay. it's just sort of like you found this disc of this never-before-seen horror game. And, you know, it's like literally the, the store description on Steam is like, you know, no scratches, good condition. Like, you know, something you'd expect <laughs> from eBay. And... Um, 
I'm really glad to see that Jupiter Lighthouse is continuing to make it within the sequel. There are, from what I've been told, some people have encountered glitches with it, but just that oddly adds to the aesthetic of it being this abandoned prototype. So mm. I half wonder if some of those were left in intentionally or not. But yeah, it just, it's this very cute aesthetic style but very retro horror thing and yeah if that's your bag if you've been yearning for a more classic style rather than evil game there you go i have to ask because i haven't played it yet but is the voice acting is on par as the original resident evil from what i understand it's actually a little bit styled after animal crossing i could be wrong but i believe it's actually kind of styled after animal crossing but i believe it was intentionally made to be still bad so even if it would still sound like, you know, as if Capcom put it together. Okay. Yeah, because uh, I don't know if you've ever played that, but the the voice acting... Oh, I know. Yeah, it's, it's bad. It's really bad. Um, I, don't, I guess the thing about Steam sales is they, they aren't what they were like 10 years ago with the... With the lightning sales that they had in addition to what was going on with the with the seasonal sale but they happen more frequently because i have a sneaking suspicion that in what two and a half weeks we'll see another sale we'll see the winter steam sale break before christmas and we'll see even more games we'll see probably a lot of the same sales if not before it really feels like that if you didn't get a game that you wanted from one sale, just hang on because you'll get it in the next one. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh, yeah. Plus, at this point, other sites like like I mentioned with Fanatical and also Green Man Gaming, they're starting to do the lightning deals and stuff like that because they can afford to. There's a reason yep. for them to give an edge. Yep. So they've filled in that gap. It's just you're not guaranteed to find everything that's on Steam on those because they still haven't gotten all their licenses. I remember back in the day when Fanatical could only... For some reason, they could only sell the Mac versions of, like, two Call of Duty games, and now they're probably allowed to sell more, but they still just, like, have this excess of Modern Warfare 3 for Mac that they're always trying to get rid of because they just have the keys lying around. Mm-hmm. Any day now, there's just going to be a surge of Mac gamers who all want Modern Warfare 3. Well, you never know. Stranger things have happened, right? Oh, yeah. <sighs> right. Uh, so I guess that's that out of the way. There's uh, there were some other things that happened over the last few weeks with uh, with news and such. Uh, you brought a few topics along with you. Do you want to dive into any of those that we can jump right into? Oh yeah, sure. So um, as everyone knows, like um, Xbox Game Pass has taken the gaming world by storm because it just works. It's just that good a deal. I've even tested out the streaming feature now, streaming a Series X game to my Xbox One, and the medium ran damn near flawlessly. The resolution would uh, upscale and downscale periodically. That's it. Mm-hmm. And it just, it's probably the best gaming streaming thing that we've seen since Gaika. And, um,. Now, Sony has decided, okay, I guess this isn't going away now, so now we have to do this thing, and I guess people like backwards getting out of belly, because it's very clear that there's a difference of opinion based on various people at Sony as to whether or not backwards compatibility is worth it or not. So now, supposedly, Codename Spartacus, as I understand it, Mm -hmm. is uh, going to be a three-tiered subscription service that will somehow lump PS Plus and PS Now together, and 
include a bunch of stuff, you know, going on for um, PlayStation 1, PlayStation 2, PlayStation 3, and PlayStation Portable. But screw that other handheld. I mean, like, who cares about that other one that actually, you know, would work really well and that you could easily re-release those games? Who who cares about that? I mean, no one played the Vita, so it's, uh, you know... Yeah, if only it had been named Vita, which means life, then it would have, you know, continued to survive <laughs> long, and, you know, it wouldn't have been a horrific failure abandoned by its creators within, you know, four years of existence. But anyway, yeah, it, it just, it sounds like such an absolute potential mess, and it doesn't surprise me in the slightest, because I, I don't know if you remember, but, like, when PS Now launched, it was so over the map, because there wasn't just a subscription model. You had to rent per game yeah and there was like really weird prices where it's like rent for four hours why would i spend this much for four hours of gameplay that may or may not even run right why why it is just so freaking confusing uh, and i just to be I honest don't... with you the fact that there's three different tiers that they're looking at for for how this program is going to work i think all that's going to do is generate confusion it's going to make consumers yeah. not thrilled because they're not going to understand exactly what they're getting and you're going to have a lot of people that that are going to be leave, looking at the service being unsatisfied and they're going to have either just to go well it was a failed project because they launched it improperly or they uh just they they won't understand why it was such a runaway success with with Microsoft and Xbox. Well, I just you know let's remember here that Jim Ryan literally outright said in a pre- in you know an interview when they were showing off the different versions of um, I think it was Gran Turismo. He genuinely didn't understand why anyone would want to play an older version of one of the Gran Turismo games, and just. He since tried to claim that no, I was misquoted or something like that. No, you just you you don't get why people would want to play older games, which makes sense. Um, for I'm concerned why someone in the chat is asking for where the where someone left the hatchet. I'm very I'm very I'm very <laughs> heck concerned. I had that moment too. I'm like, um, um, I guess. Uh-huh. Uh, but um, yeah, just. I, I'm really worried about this because Sony of late has become a very one-trick pony, and that trick is working for them for the most part, but they just keep mm-hmm. doing third-person action-adventure, third-person action-adventure. We'll throw in, like, one or two platformers, you know, for the kids. We might have, like, one first-person shooter, maybe, if we're feeling like it, and that's it. And everything else is very much the same, whether it's single-player or multiplayer or whatever. It just kind of falls in the same loop with roughly the same control scheme, and now it, it just you know i don't know how they're going to handle something that genuinely is based around having a variety of experiences because that's part of what game pass does is that it has something for everyone there's everything from like the management stuff we're talking about to you know action-packed things and also like exclusive dlc and stuff like that for certain ongoing games and it just it's a really really weird situation where i don't know if it's going to make them finally evolve a bit and go back to being experimental or if they're just going to drive into the ground which is the more realistic prospect let's be real I'd here i'd love to be wrong i'd love to be wrong but even yeah. nintendo's buggering this up with the, 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 the nintendo subscription plus the expansion pack because it's yeah. so hard to put those n64 roms up you know it takes like an hour 
to download the, one of those things to your system. Yeah. <laughs> you're, you know, it's just like, why, why, why? And that's not a literal glitch. Like, that's just, it's, that's how pathetic it is to be acting like, you know, just like this is a hard thing to do. When realistically, it's, it's easy. This stuff it's, is not that complicated. Well, that's just it, right? It, they, we see that as consumers, but for whatever reason, it's done like that in, on a marketing level. And it, I've, I've said it many times on stream, whether it be on this podcast or just any of my other streams. But, you know, I strive for times where I wish I were wrong, but often than not, I'm not. And it's really disappointing that it's like, just let me be wrong. I would be okay with it. Really, I would. I would welcome it. But damn it, I hate it when I'm not. Because it happens too often. And it just, it just creates more cynicism. It creates it so much help. cynicism Microsoft in it. Microsoft can learn from it. Like, that's the one thing. Like, Microsoft can look at this and learn from it to better make, to make <laughs> Game Pass even better. Yeah, I guess it's that. Yeah. Uh... Xbox team over over there in Washington take note of of the failures that we're about to witness and just improve your service because uh I feel like you get the benefit from that. Like this is this is where competition actually is beneficial because it's going to better other services out there so why not take advantage of it? Like literally that was the one thing when I tried PS Now cuz I tried out some games on that to be like okay cuz like everybody's trying to do this and yeah, it's very clear that Microsoft looked at that and was like, yeah, we can do better than this, because I tried playing The Force Unleashed. On PS3, it's kind of sluggish to begin with and can dip to, like, 20 FPS. 20 FPS with actual notable input lag makes it darn near unplayable. There are certain trophies you just cannot get playing that through the streaming mode, and for some people, that's their only option. It's even worse for certain other games. Like, if you try to play the original Fear through PS Now, it is an absolute mess. Mm -hmm. So unless they actually add genuine backwards compatibility i'm going to be incredibly dubious as to the backwards library plus also i'm just not sure how long those titles will be there given that the ps classic has already gotten to the point where it's out of production and is shot back up in price because only the people selling it are hobbyists yep well it all depends on which games they make available for it too uh with that backwards compatibility it's probably gonna be some of the popular ones and then you're gonna have some uh obscure ones and instead of making a, a more fuller library um uh, i love if they just included all the stuff that currently is on the ps now backwards compatible because that would be a nice array of things that could be you know a really effective way of at least having a well-rounded ps3 lineup the PS2 classics on there is next to non-existent, but they at least have some stuff like Drakengard 3 in that. Mm -hmm. But again, if you're not emulating it, if you're not up-resing it like Xbox is, you're still going to have problems because Drakengard 3 can drop to 15 frames per second on the PS3. And if I'm just streaming from a PS3 remotely, it's still going to do that. And it's going to be even harder to fly that dragon around while I'm fighting a battleship. Yeah, and... It's depending on what you're streaming, it just doesn't work. Even streaming locally, uh, Crafty mentioned it in chat, uh, where I was trying to, you know, I was talking about control before I restarted the, the game on stream. Uh, I was trying to play it through, um, Steam Link, Steam Link, yeah, on, on our TV, and oh god, that was horrible, it was incredibly painful. Yeah, Steam Link's always had a unique experience for me that it seems to always be a case-by-case -case basis. Sometimes even third-party stuff, like Battlefront 2 on Origin 
was fairly okay. It just was always fiddly about the controls, acknowledging the left analog stick. But there are some games that are natively on Steam, use a controller, just don't like to be streamed. They do not enjoy it. Yeah, and I think that's what we're trying to get to with the with what Sony could possibly offer here with with the backwards compatibility with their games is that it could be a disaster. It, it could be really bad. Uh, and some of those games, like uh, imagining the frame rate dropper and and like lag input for let's say let's just say you know PS Classic and you're playing. We'll mention Resident Evil Two because we mentioned Resident Evil Two before. If, uh, you know, you open up a door and you got the zombie coming through or um, the tyrant coming through that door, that that lag input can get you killed every single time and then you're just stuck. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's... And the thing that profoundly boggers my brain about this whole thing is just like, at this point, the community has gotten ahead of them. Fans figured out how to restore multiplayer in a bunch of old PlayStation 3 games without even having to hack the console. Literally, it's just change your IP address and where you're connecting to the internet, and you can now play MotorStorm, Killzone 2, and a couple other ones, like Calling All Cars, and they just work. No, There's no custom software or anything. Others have gotten Metal Gear Solid 4 working, and it even has crossplay between the PC emulator and homebrewed PS3s. And the PS3 emulation scene has become so far away from where they used to be. Like, I think they've got over 60% playable at this point. So the vast majority of PlayStation games now work on a PC between the various handhelds. Both handhelds now have emulators that are working. Mind you, the shinier one, who shall go unnamed, um, is still mostly just Persona 4 and some homebrew stuff, but like... The fans have moved on because they knew they weren't going to get it from Sony officially. So this yep. is coming in so late into the game that I just, yeah, it's, I think we pretty much hit it on the head. It just, it is such a rough prospect given all of the competition and everything else that it will basically have to be jaw dropping out of the gate. And the fact that people are already worried because it's going to be a tiered system and likely very confusing for the average consumer doesn't hedge bets for it in any respect. Yeah. I think that's, that sums it up really well. Uh, so <clears throat> I think we will have to stick a pin in this and come back and just see how well it performs uh, after launch and, and such. Uh, one of the other things I had noticed that you had mentioned uh, in the discussion of various things to discuss uh, <laughs> was um, regarding the upcoming... Game Awards. Speaking of wa- speaking of wanting to stick a pin in something, uh, just oh yeah. So um, for those who don't know, the Video Game Awards have officially announced they're not addressing the Activision ongoing lawsuits and allegations and controversies. So they will not be disqualifying them from anything. Coincidentally, one of the main people at Activision is involved with the BGAs. I'm sure that is a total coincidence and in no way has any factor on influencing as to whether or not a company that currently has litigation in multiple states and has been tied to all kinds of horrible things that I won't even say on the stream because it's just that deeply depressing and unpleasant that these things were allowed to happen is going to still potentially get in line for awards. Because, yeah, that's that's normal thing to do. That's a great luck to have. Yeah, uh, I'm 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 of two minds of that because I feel like 
the teams themselves, like the developers and the writers and, and whatnot, like they should be recognized for the work that they've done. But at the same time, there is a lot of just garbage going on at, at Activision. And ever since, God, is it, was it June? When the news broke? Yeah, it's, it's, it's starting in, like, June, and it is still ongoing. Normally, yeah. this kind of controversy happens for, like, four weeks, and then it's gone. This is still ongoing and getting worse. Yeah. Yeah. To the point now where uh, there have been... <sighs> yeah. Like, it's gotten to the point where people are asking Codex to step away from Coca-Cola's board of directors as well. Like, he he's really up shit creek, as he should be. Uh... I don't know. I guess it's almost like threatening to kill someone is not a great move to have that on public yeah, record. Yeah, you know that's probably not a good thing to do. You should probably not have on public record. Uh, the the whole I trying to kill do it someone. All to be clear, but like, just yeah, you just like there's absolutely no foresight and, at Activision of any of this. And and. <sighs> to have this person be your CEO for him to sit on the board of directors of another large international corporation uh the guy isn't stable I guess what it comes down to is like if it comes down to anything that recognizes the leadership that should not be a thing and I kind of wish the game show awards would call out the issues that are going on in the gaming industry because this year has been fucking horrible about it Activision Blizzard is the most egregious one because it's still ongoing but it's not the only one you had Ubisoft earlier in the year you had Paragon that was also dealing with it uh, amongst uh, other wasn't Paradox, wasn't Paradox or, yeah, sorry Paradox wasn't sorry I said I misspoke yeah Paradox yeah they they had the problem uh, 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 news release on it it's continually ongoing and ongoing and it's an it's an issue in the entire industry it's a, it's an industry-wide problem, and instead of just going, well, we want to focus on new releases, no, f*** you. It's a huge fucking platform. Talk about it. Try to fix the problem, because if you do that, then maybe something might get done and might be better. It's yeah, not like that if, hard. If Microsoft, Sony, and Nintendo can all basically all but intentionally leak internal emails saying that they're not okay with this and that they're taking, trying to figure out what actions they can take as some kind of, I, I want, for lack of a better word, punishment or, or, you know, reparation for what is being caused by Activision and stuff like that, then yes, the biggest video games award show, which made a humongous deal out of one man not being able to be present to receive an award, should be able to acknowledge the sheer human cost that is coming from this, because that, at the end of the day, is the real thing. It is the human cost that is being incurred here that is massively more important than a plastic monkey that's holding up uh, its own little joystick or whatever. Just like, that is not the significant part of the conversation here. The lives being very much destroyed, the creative individuals being driven from this industry... That is what we are losing here. That is much more important. I don't care if it puts the industry looking like it's not a great light. We're already in the news cycle. Yeah. It is already a thing that like major magazines and websites are covering, even news networks are covering the controversies going on here. Yeah. Most of them are focused on Activision for, for good reason. It's one of the biggest companies in the industry. But just in general, this is uh, there is a moment here where we can either be strong and united against this, or 
you just look out for yourself. And yep. it really feels like the BGAs are just looking out for themselves so as to not ruffle any more feathers than necessary. And it's incredibly disappointing, especially given how they were so willing to stand up for one single individual at one point for a much smaller controversy that most of the gaming public wouldn't have even known about. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I'm, I've I've always had my own res- reservations regarding the the video game awards, and we, I mean, we end up talking about it on this podcast. Like ever since I brought it back, we've been talking about it on the podcast when it comes around each year. But it's more or less because it's a relevant topic. But if we could just go on without it, I I would be, I'd feel better off for it. Um. But, you know, I, stuff like this just makes me kind of want the the whole thing just to disappear that much harder now. Just, just. Well, yes, it, it, this sort of stuff isn't, this isn't even like fun to be mad about or anything. This is just the exhausting stuff. And I completely get that. And yeah. just as a friend to... The amount of people I know who have survived some kind of assault or another is exasperating and depressing in of itself. And the fact of the matter is, I would love to to just stop hearing about this. But unfortunately, the easiest way to do that, the easiest way to actually make that actionable change, the people who actually have the power to do it currently are not. And yeah. that is where we're at. So yeah. at this point, it, as unfortunate as it is, keeping up the pressure is the only way to ensure that change legitimately occurs because... They're feeling it. Activision Blizzard employees are openly in protest and want yeah. the friggin' Bobby to get his golden parachute and leave. Like, at this yeah. point, I don't think people even care if he gets more money. It's just like, please, just go, whatever we gotta do, get rid of him. Yep. Just get rid of him. Yep. And, uh, you know, you're right, because of all the protests and the walkouts and everything else. And the thing is, is every other, like, any other award show at, for any other medium, they talk about these topics whether it's something that that award winners do or something they talk about it and the fact that they won't hear it just kind of really re-solidifies that there's an issue with this award show over all the other ones that exist out there and that's depressing and i think that's really where to leave that it's just it's depressing yes there there's the you know I doubt, I doubt David Jaffe is concerned about what the greater gaming public is saying about this right now, but realistically, I hope he at some point listens and realizes that there's a bigger responsibility here than just making gaming look fancy. It's about making us look accountable. Because we need to be. Mm-hmm. Anyway, on um, that fun note, just um, another quick thing that has also been acknowledged uh, as a latest addition that Game Informer just reported on, um, at the same time that all this other stuff has been going on at Activision, out of nowhere, a substantial portion of the Raven Software QA team has sadly been laid off. It's mm. not clear if this is tied to anything else going on or if it's just a matter of them just doing one of their, you know, annual, we'll just fire all these people and give ourselves more money kind of thing because they have done that in the past. So that's entirely possible that that's what's happening here. But according to Raven Software, this is not simply a matter of um, cutting the fat. These are supposedly some really valuable players. So uh, our thoughts go out to them and hopefully they are able to find new jobs at more deserving companies. Cause yeah. yeah that's uh, a thing. This, 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 uh... 
the lay layoffs in the industry are always uh not a, a pleasure to report on or talk about and the fact that it's breaking news tonight like it this is the worst time of year for that to happen so for for everyone involved in this type of of layoff it's just uh it's unfortunate it's incredibly unfortunate um and I, I, w I wish there was more that we could say on it um other than you know i've i've been experienced to um the equivalent of a layoff during this time of year it sucks it just it's frustrating it's stressful it's and especially with the the state of the world right now like on top of everything else hopefully some of these folks can land on their feet but um you know it would have been uh, answer in the chat raven was one of the lead studios behind the campaign for um cold war the, for a while now they've mostly handled like dlc and stuff like that but they alongside sledgehammer were the leads for um call of duty black ops cold war outside of like zombies mode and some parts of multiplayer yeah that that, that was their main thing they used to do their own stuff they used to typically be activision's licensed tie-in go-to's they did a lot of stuff like Star Trek Opposing Force and stuff like that. But um, nowadays, they're one of the main Call of Duty support studios. They've worked a lot of them, and typically on like the more modern-age-style ones, like Ghosts and, well, Cold War. Just uh, just reading a little bit on it, too. Part of it is with the QA team is uh, Activision Blizzard switching up their contract with which contracting company they're getting their QA testers from. Switching over to a company called Volt. <laughs> which, ironically... Uh, you know, I'm not going to go into that because that was a long time ago, but totally know what it's like to work for Volt. Um, I guess hopefully things go well with, with that. Um, I guess with the, with the folks that are contractors, so hopefully they get placed into new companies quickly because of the fact they're contracted instead of just permanent employees. Oh. So. Yes. Um, however, speaking of, you know, switching things up subtly instead of dramatically there was one thing in particular you wanted to talk about where someone was you know copying another person's homework <laughs> i was hoping to get to that later on but oh boy do i have do i have uh thoughts on this so uh, a couple weeks ago uh there was a announcement that came from streamlabs and twitch about a partnership uh, for Streamlabs to launch a uh, streaming platform service where console streamers can stream to this web-based um, broadcasting software, which would then rebroadcast to their uh, uh, streamer's Twitch channel so you could have overlays and whatnot. And uh, it seemed like a solid product. The idea itself is a solid product, right? Because these console players, often or not, when they stream from their consoles, they have a console overlay, they have whatever else the that Xbox or, micro, or uh, PlayStation has to offer for it, and that's really it. So having a, a streaming service to send the video to and then put overlays and everything else on it, branding and, and whatnot, and restream to a Twitch channel, fantastic idea. Um... Then there was a tweet that came out uh, from a company called Lightstream, and it reads, Hey, can I copy your homework? 
and it's uh, got a reply of, yeah, just change it up a bit so you, it's not obvious you copied. And then there's a screenshot of the Lightstream landing page. And then there is, a, a, in addition to that, the landing page for the Streamlabs Studio is what it was called, um, where it was a side-by-side -side of the two different landing pages, and they were damn near identical, word for word, down to the testimonials from users saying the exact same thing. Which got some people's attention uh, about their copying. People called it out. Uh, then... Oh, is that... Not only did they half-ass this, I just want to point out here that one of the main... That I think they, someone seriously thought that was like a PS5. But they have... For some reason, the Xbox Series S and an original launch generation Xbox One with the Connect 2. <laughs> yep. That's the consoles they have there. Yep. I was like, why is there a Connect here? It's like, oh, that's because that's literally the oldest Xbox. The, the... Yep. Why would you have that? <laughs> I'm like, I still use this Connect, and even I don't know why you're advertising that. Uh-huh. <laughs> Oh, so after this was out and this this uh, whole thing came out, uh, Streamlabs came back we're like, we're sorry, this was a placeholder. We we didn't mean to launch this particular site. There'll be a new site that launches shortly, and they relaunched the site since then. Uh, well, since then, you had uh, Elgato tweeting at, back at Lightstream, with a meme of, oh, this is your first time. And then it's a screenshot of Streamlabs Stream Deck. Literally calling their service, which is a scene selector in multiple purpose, like what the Elgato Stream Deck does, but for a mobile platform. On mobile, uh, your mobile phone. Calling it Stream Deck. Like, I don't know if I can actually get this on my cam. I, I can't, right? Maybe. Maybe. No, it's cropped. But it's literally called the same thing. It is called a stream deck. They didn't even spot the changes in the name. Like, there's nothing wrong with competition. Nothing wrong with competition. But they didn't even change the name. So people started jumping on that a little bit, going, okay, that's kind of crappy to do too. All right, all right, yeah. And as they talk about it more, OBS jumped into the mix. To which OBS took us back to 2018 when Streamlabs launched Streamlabs OBS and talked about how uh, there was discussion about whether or not Streamlabs could use the OBS name. And OBS developers were like, no, if you could, please don't use your own name. Streamlabs ignored that, called it Streamlabs OBS, and then furthermore, they put a trademark on the name, Streamlabs OBS. And that was kind of the straw that broke the camel's back for a ton of streamers. A ton of streamers. And they went back and looked at everything and go, wow, okay, 
Streamlabs, you've done some really incredibly shitty business ethics stuff here. And there was a mass exodus from Streamlabs as a result of it. Yeah, that's about the general reaction to it all. Yeah, it's like, it's... This is there is no arguing, there is no debating. It is just it's just a friggin' mess. That that's all it is. That's mm -hmm. all that this is. It's just like you've had every option to choose, and you chose the absolute worst one possible. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Streamlabs has a has a long history of it of 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 horrible business ethics. Right? You have pre uh former employees that started. Uh, uh, speaking out on business ethics and other things they had done, uh, and it's worth saying, it's worth stating for the record, there's absolutely nothing wrong with competition, and even an open source platform like OBS. If you were to use a fork, uh, for those that don't know, a fork is a certain a build of a certain piece of software. If it's within the terms and use of of the original user end agreement, fine, but. Don't be an asshole about it too, and then put your name in front of it and call it your own. Because yeah, don't be Grand Moff Tarkin. Don't be Grand yeah. Moff Tarkin. The thing, the thing of it is, is so many streamers didn't realize that OBS was literally ripping off what OBS, the OBS, uh, the streamers had ripped off what the OBS developers have done, right? So many assumed that it was some type of collaboration effort that happened there that was like, oh, yes, well, this will be like an introductory for people that don't are getting into streaming and don't know the ins and outs because OBS can have a ton of stuff that you can do to, to customize and make it different with all the different plugins and whatnot. And Streamlabs does it for you. And there's a business model where they monetize. No, 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 no. It's, it's a, a separate fork. They are marketing everything and then they sold it to you. And to be as completely unheaded as possible, they even had an uh, uh, advertising uh, budget where if you searched for OBS in Google, it would, instead of OBS Studio being the top result, it was the Streamlabs OBS that was the top result, even though that's not what you searched for. <clears throat> yeah, that's right. um, I, I will... This is uh, for... Clarity's sake that I was amongst one of the um, streamers that got rid of all my Streamlabs stuff, my my BitCup, my Alert Box, and uh, my BitBoss that were all on uh, a regular streams overlay. I got rid of it all. I spent a Wednesday, a whole Wednesday evening, going back to the original BitBoss, which, by the way, that's another thing they ripped off. Um, I went to Stream Elements for my alerts. I went to Stream Labs for uh, everything else too, and I think it speaks to a problem that that kind of happens in the in the streaming sphere of things because Stream Stream Labs. One of the other big business ethic things that were really called out that really really irked me, and I I kind of experienced it for myself, but I just I I partially blame myself, and I realized just how underhanded it was to realize oh that was kind of how it was designed. Is the Streamlabs tipping platform had a way for if you're tipping your favorite streamer that you could pay 
for uh, Streamlabs Pro, and it would pro throw like animations and background and whatnot, right? But they would charge you monthly for it, and it, you couldn't cancel it. It was a pain in the ass to to cancel it, and they created a lot of fraudulent charges. Uh, there were former employees that spoke out on this, and when those former employees said, "Hey, you know, we shouldn't do this," it's like we make way too much money for us not to do this. Yeah, that's it. I can offer. There's not much I can offer here, but um, there is something worth noting. You know, just you know, a, a positive example of branching off from forks is uh, this just dropped. Um, Quake is receiving another expansion for free. Mm -hmm. So like, you know, like, see, you can also do nice things when you expand upon other people's work. You just have to not be, you know, a horrifically greedy person about it. Right. Just be within the user agreements, right? And don't try to, um, don't be just so dirty about your business ethics. Uh, hard to do. It's not hard to do, folks. Yeah. And I'm seeing in chat, while not 100%, they're uh, quite better about returning what you actually search for. Yeah, uh, well, so part of that, and as it was mentioned too, Zach Bussey talked a lot about this. If you don't know Zach Bussey, Zach Bussey does a lot of like streamer news and whatnot. He's, he does a weekly, or excuse me, a daily show. He's a fantastic reporter when it comes to this type of uh, discussion. In discussing this, like it was revealed that or it was determined that there's probably a monthly budget that goes into Google Sense and Google Ads, and once that budget is spent on searches, it the the corrections or like the the results will change, and the ads won't always pop up at the top of the Google searches results. And since there was a huge controversy around Streamlabs and the fact that Streamlabs, if you searched OBS and it came up slobs, Streamlabs OBS, um, so many people searching for that. It used up the the budget involved in that, and because of that, if like as of Tuesday, if you were to search for OBS, you'd probably get OBS Studio. But like if we go and here, we'll try it right now. If I do OBS, okay, so it looks like they fixed it. Um, I actually had to do like three scrolls of my scroll wheel before I find Streamlabs OBS. And even now, it's called Streamlabs Free Live Streaming and Recording. So they're, the name's out. So if OBS is, uh, uh, Streamlabs is finally getting OBS out of the name. But they have screwed up so horribly on this. It's, it, and a lot of, it got as far as uh, like The Verge covering it. There's a couple other sites that covered it as well. Um, I think the best coverage of it was probably Zach Bussey, though, which uh, Crafty shouted out in the chat. Um, he, he covered it a couple of weeks ago. It's probably on his YouTube channel now. I would highly recommend listening to his his coverage of it, too, because he went into depth uh, discussing it with other streamers for hours. There was uh, two, three days worth of it um, where he, he went into it, and it was it was solid discussion, and, and it was good coverage of the whole thing. But uh, if if you're a streamer, if you don't like anything that you just heard about what you had to hear about Streamlabs, uh, feel free to reach out to any of your fellow streamers and we'll tell you more or less how to get away from Streamlabs and go to something else like uh, the top competition is Stream Elementals. Uh, stream Elements. Um, I'm using Stream Elements. There's also Rainmaker. 
Rainmaker is uh developed by the <laughs> is uh actually developed by the same group uh by Lightstream, which is the original company that kind of called out this bad business ethic behavior in the first place. Um, and there's a couple others out there too, but those are the big ones. And that's uh yeah. That was uh that was the big big Twitch news of November was was Streamlabs and that whole thing. I think uh, I think the whole time Twitch was just, as they after the announcement, they're just like, we're just going to step back over here like this and we'll just let everything happen and we'll see how this plays out. I think Twitch was just happy that they weren't the ones that stepped in it this time. Yeah, probably. Probably. Um, I guess. Do we want to talk about the the other shakeup that that occurred then? Um, going back oh, to yeah. the regular gaming news. Yes, um, this one actually has a bit of impact for me because I still keep an eye on EA stuff, and it, it could mean some very interesting, potentially very good or not good things, mm -hmm. depending on. So, um, understand, DICE has been going through a bit of a shift. Battlefront mm -hmm. 3 was turned down. The pitch was turned down apparently because they would have had to sell 20% more units um, than if they just released a Battlefield game, which I'm sorry, but that's one of the most incredibly short-sighted things ever. It's a Star Wars game. You would have sold 20% more units. I can guarantee you that. Battlefront 2, despite one of the worst launches in recent memory, turned it around and it is still to at this point in its current form a rather beloved game people still actively play it to this day even though it hasn't received an update in over a year and a half now and on top of that um there were already rumors about um the reason that 2042 took so long to get to release that there were some kind of you know struggles with it and now, after multiple uh, staff that were involved for Battlefront left DICE, we now have a situation where General Manager Oscar Gabrielson has also left the company with Vince Zampella, one of the godfathers of Call of Duty and then Titanfall, is now taking over a bigger role as the new boss of the Battlefield franchise, and that they're now opening up another kind of studio to focus on stories somehow in the Battlefield universe. So it's clear that they noticed that some people at least like the campaigns in 1 and 2 and 5. But um, yeah, it's a bit of a shift, because at first he was just supposed to be helping out with DICE LA, which was is now, I don't know what name it is. It, it, they, I swear they changed the name like every three years. Like at one point they were Danger Close. It, mm -hmm. it just, they, they just keep you at this point that studio i you, you'd be within reason to think that it isn't canceled and shut down multiple times because of how often it's rebranded but supposedly they're being spun off as more of their original thing but zampella was just supposed to go back to respawn him being put in charge of dice having someone who's a total outsider from the company who literally worked for their rival for the longest time suddenly being put in charge suggests that there's a big shift going on. This falls on the heels of the studio manager um, was being replaced. There's uh, just for all of different EA studios and acquisitions, stuff like that, there's a new woman in charge who's trying to at least allegedly open up the conversation more with players. Like when it came to the question of Anthem next, she laid it out quite simply that it wasn't that they didn't have faith in the project itself. It was that they didn't have faith that the internet would even give it a shot. So they just, basically acknowledged that there was no point in asking Bioware 
put in all that effort, given that they probably wouldn't have anyone actually try it when it came out. And as much as I'm sure the Anthem community would argue with that, and I would argue with that to a certain extent, there is also some very good precedent that a lot of people were just were not inclined to hear it out. And it's just, EA is going through a lot of shifts right now. We're now entering a very, to the fullest extent, post-Patrick Soderlund era, because Soderlund was the person who was pushing really for multiplayer stuff, who was pushing for everyone to be based on Frostbite Engine and stuff like that. And now... Well, like, EA Motive is apparently now working on a new single-player Star Wars game of some kind on top of exploring other IP. A live service game that was in the works at Motive was canned. Um, and there's just a very unique situation where I'm not entirely sure how the dice are going to fall on this one, and that's not a pun intended. Just, like, I really don't see where it's all going to land. Because, um... Zampella is not like you know a terrible guy for this kind of stuff he's led some of the most notable games in the industry and Respawn is currently kind of the golden child for EA because even even if a game hasn't been a massive commercial success it has been a critical success except for the Titanfall hacker controversy that's been going on by those idiots who thought that if hey if we hack Titanfall maybe they'll give us a job so we could steal the source code for this rare Chinese knockoff for some reason. That seriously was their scheme. It was as absurd as it sounds. Um, besides that, Respawn has gone on pretty flawlessly. I might have a, uh, you know, a boatload of criticisms for Jedi Fallen Order, but even in terms of that, like it was still a very well-received and well-supported title in terms of like post-launch support and stuff like that. So this could be a good thing, or it could be a very troubling thing for DICE. Well, I guess there's there's a lot to unpackage there, right? I think there's a ton to unpackage there overall. I think especially with some of the other um things that are happening in the EA's uh umbrella of of games in general. Uh I think having other a, a leadership that also focuses on other other battlefield I I uh like shooting type games is not the worst thing in the world necessarily oh yeah uh i think that could be beneficial but i think i think the general shakeup of it all uh i think ultimately there's a lot that could happen at dice as a result of it and i think uh trying to determine what exactly it's going to be that that breaks out as the what is going to occur is there's a lot of uncertainty that's there right now. Yeah, according to the report from GameSpot, EA has told them that currently... Uh, it's Ripple Effect, that's what um, Danger Close is now called. And um, the new studio is based out of Seattle. I wasn't, I couldn't remember which state it was, but yeah, it, that's being headed up also by one of Halo's designers, Marcus Leto. And um, they're going to get set up in Seattle, but um, yeah... All of them are currently focused on Battlefield 2142. The one with the clearest um, arc is that Ripple Effect was working on the portal mode where you could just basically turn into whatever Battlefield game you wanted in the custom games sort of thing. Supposedly they're working on something else kind of in that space. So maybe they're going to expand. If I were them, I would expand Portal into its own game because it's the only thing in 2042 that pretty much everyone likes. Mm -hmm. But um, 
there's no telling quite what they're working on there. But yeah, currently their focus is having the studios pool onto 2142, which is kind of been their go-to for a while now. They've started to copy Ubisoft in that respect in that they like to pool their teams onto like one or two big projects and then have them disperse out and start doing smaller things. I feel like the smaller projects and, and releasing uh, content, like uh, the sub-portions of, of a game's content is just a failure that doesn't happen though. Like, there could be popularity in a, a in a game mode, but it doesn't often get the the attention that it, players often feels like it should deserve. Well, yeah, and that's the thing that does also give me some pause about this all. because like Star Wars Squadrons, people loved it. There were actual tournaments run by fans for real money and everything. They got two new starships, and it's been dead silence since then. Like they're well, not. Well, and as far as like. The, the focus on 2042, like, w- with that being released and whatnot, don't forget that, uh, what was it, last weekend, Farm, Simu- Farm Simulator 2022 outperformed Battlefield 2042 as far as active players playing the game. <laughs> well, apparently there's a persistent number of issues preventing players from logging in. That might be a factor there, too. Yeah. Like, yeah, if you literally can't play the game, yeah, yeah, it's gonna have a big drop-off. I just, uh, like, don't get me... Sorry, go ahead. No, 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 go ahead. Like, don't get me wrong, not like defending 2142. I could care less about it. I'm one of the people who liked five, and apparently I'm told that's heretical. I don't know why, but uh, it's just like, you know, it's like, I, I like the one that has like a campaign that's like time splitters, and there's co op stuff that you can do too. And the multiplayer, you know, has like, you know, nicely staged stuff where it kind of feels like a wide linear campaign mode almost. Whereas 2142, I understand that it is definitely aimed at being more of the pure sandbox that some people remember Battlefield for, but it sounds like that sandbox is full of rusty nails right now, and occasionally the sandbox doesn't exist, and you can fly helicopters into buildings, and why why did they copy the operators from Rainbow Six? It just it sounds like there are way too many cooks in the kitchen for it. So, yeah, it's such a shame it's it's really such a shame that all of that happened because it it, it definitely had all the potential i mean it's framed as if it were a prequel to 2142 which was probably the most sandbox centric mm-hmm. battlefield game ever mm-hmm. but they don't have a titan mode there's no titans so so why associate it with 2142 if it literally doesn't even factor into one of the most important elements Maybe that's coming in a future free update. That's something they Name really are on. I guess. I guess they're hoping that you make the typo. But it just is. It's the the whole free update thing. Also, is something that has kind of gone both ways. Because, like I said, for Battlefront, it worked really well. For Battlefield Five, a lot of people ignored it and just swore this isn't finished yet. And even though they had a clear published roadmap, and this one doesn't really have much clarity right now as to what's going to happen because they're so busy fixing all the bugs mm-hmm. so i'm it's it, with this shift in leadership on top of everything else with a product that is still ongoing and changing again it's just there's a lot of stuff to keep your eye on right now like i know that there are people who just at this point they've sworn off ea because of one reason or another or what have you but like even from just purely a business perspective, there's something to watch here because a lot of things are going on there. And it's particularly a big deal because they're also being more tactful 
about how they're handling controversies. Like Titanfall One is just delisted now. You can't yeah. buy it anywhere. Yeah, that was the th- another thing I had heard about this week was the fact that Titanfall was completely dis- delisted. If you have the game, you can still play it. So it's still a playable game, but you talking about? <laughs> I guess this is my podcast right now, guys. <clears throat> that moment no so what was uh mentioned on there with a lot of other stuff that's coming out for or in regards to news from ea uh one of the other situations with ea and and news from there is the fact that titanfall it was recently delisted from all game store fronts so you're unable to purchase it however uh however if you own the game you can still play it at this point in time Mm. Yeah, you can if they provide that the hackers haven't completely nuked it. Still, that's the thing. It's just like they've been using exploits for such a long time now. Um, but uh, that said, I um, I, I apparently due to uh, real life circumstances, I'm going to need to wrap things up a little bit sooner. So, is there, I, are there any other you want to touch on? That the only other thing was uh was going to be Halo Infinite, but uh, we can touch on that real quick. But uh, I need to. Uh, I'm I'm sorry. I just I'm going to need to head out soon. Okay. Uh, yeah. Uh, so the last thing that I was gonna mention is um was was Halo Infinite and uh the game the the news around that and how that's been playing as far as a multiplayer game and some of the things that have been said about that regarding uh gameplay and such. Have you had a chance to play Halo Infinite at all? I did. I put, according to Steam, five hours into it. Okay. I, I can't... As someone who's played literally every Halo multiplayer game, this one is really kicking me in the face. Yeah. It's... It, it really... And I don't think it's a matter of, like, the mechanics or anything like that, although I do feel like it's in this weird position where it's stuck between trying to both feel like Combat Evolved and Halo 4, which is a really interesting mix to go for. But, um... The matchmaking is just terrible. I mean that. Like, just matchmaking with players, there's no balancing, it feels like, right now. And I know that it's technically still in beta, but it doesn't say that on the storefront. It's not advertising that in any way. Other than the initial announcement that it was technically still in beta, Yeah. it is a released product. They yeah. are expecting people yeah. to spend money to, like, you know, like, get these passes and stuff. Yep. I should have matchmaking that doesn't absolutely hate me. And the thing is, this comes on the heels of me picking up Paladins, which arguably it's a free-to-play game mm. where you have to unlock even more stuff. You would expect it to be more unbalanced, plus it's a hero shooter, which makes things even more challenging to get into. Mm. And I got in flawlessly. Like, I had not touched that thing since launch, and I was able to get in effortlessly. I have played... I don't want to even imagine how many hours of Halo in all the different iterations in multiplayer... And I have never had as rough a time as with Infinite. I do like some of the map design. The user interface looks slick. And, you know, some of the new weapons are interesting, though mm. I really don't get nerfing the commando rifle as much as they apparently did. Because, yeah, it sounds like a gun that should kill in, like, three to four shots, but apparently they nerfed it down to taking eight. However, is- if, if you go to Game Informer, there's a report on how the sniper rifle was able to kill 23 people in a single shot. So, I mean, you know, there's some balancing issues that are, <laughs> that are needed in the game still, clearly. Um, I've also had a chance to play it. I, I feel like, yeah, I think you really nailed on something that is an issue with the game, and that is the the matchmaking uh, that is currently going on. Because there's times where I feel like I can get stomped in the face as far as how 
um i play with the team like uh i i teamed up with a, a few of uh few of people that i do regular stuff with as far as multiplayer stuff is concerned and we had games where we got completely smashed you know uh with uh we were playing fiesta you know going 50 and 20 right and then by the end of the the night i had a 16 and 4 game where we were 50 to 12 it just it, especially in so arena it's, yeah it's, it's really not there yet and a lot of people i just i, I was seriously starting to have doubts because it's like everybody is loving this thing why am i not loving it and then it finally just was like I appreciate that there's bot mode to unboard yourself, onboard yourself, and it is something that I do want to play around with more, and that is also an option if you don't typically like fighting people in multiplayer. You can go up against the bots. You can even play completely solo if you want, in an arena where you can choose to give yourself whatever, so you can practice with the weapons and that. All of that is fantastic. Like, the accessibility and stuff like that is there, but even after I'd fought bots for a while, I was like, oh, okay, I think I've got a feel for this. I go into matchmaking, and there are people just doing these things that are just absolutely impossible for someone at my skill level at this point to be able to counter. And it's just, I, I, I just, I'm left speechless because it's such an absolute mess of a thing. It was. Yeah, it's just you you get so mad. And it's not even like because like my yardstick for the best kind of multiplayer game is even if I'm losing, if I'm still having fun, that's a really good multiplayer game. Yeah. I don't feel that in Infinite. I, if you're losing, it makes sure you know that you are losing. Yeah, no, that it's definitely a problem. Um, it's absolutely a problem. I it helps a little bit when you're playing with a whole squad that are people that you know that can at least make it somewhat fun. But at the same time, even then, it can feel like you're getting your face stomped, and it's just not as enjoyable to to play that way. Um, and hopefully the balance, the the matchmaking gets balanced a little bit better than what it is. Um, I have a feeling that they're gonna continue to call the game beta until the campaign portion of Halo Infinite comes out, and that's not gonna be for a while still. So, uh. We'll just see how it continues to go uh, as far as that's concerned. But, I mean, I have a feeling I'll probably still, if other people end up asking me to play it, I will probably still play it with them. I don't know how often I'll actively seek it out, but I'll, if someone else is like, hey, you want to play, I'll, I'll, I'll probably still join them. I'm still hesitant even there because, like, I was playing with friends and it still was just like... The skill gap in this one, the, rather, the skill ceiling is just so much higher because of all the different variables that they've thrown in mm -hmm. that the amount of practice that might be called for here, whereas the classic Halo, it was like, don't get me wrong, classic Halo game still would happily curb stop you and kick you in the butt every now and then. And you still kind of fairly reasonable understanding that was the main counterbalance is that like it wasn't there wasn't a lot of complexities going on here where but now you got you got to manage your equipment you got to manage if you're sprinting or not for your shield regen you have to be mindful of when the weapon drops are happening because they're actually announced and put on the hut there's yeah. so much more information going on that's genuinely you know for the competitive side of things is fantastic but for the casual side of things not as much very rougher time and yep. the same thing goes for how the level navigation works and stuff like that and i am excited for the campaign the campaign looks interesting i'm curious how they're going to square with halo 4 halo 5 
and all the tie-in stuff that they've been trying to acknowledge in the games on top of Whip Infinite. But um, it looks like it's going in an interesting direction. Mm-hmm. Uh, to, to address the chat, it's not, I wouldn't compare it to COD. I wouldn't compare it to COD because like aiming down sights doesn't really have that much use. It's not really stop and pop. It's more like you're already dead when the guy when the person you're fighting is deciding that you're dead and there's also certain weapons that are honestly way less forgiving than call of duty like the battle rifle demands such precision on the dot with the shots because like halo reticles are usually you know fairly large that's the whole thing it's like you have a fairly thing if you're working with more like this narrow an accuracy instead of this narrow an accuracy and you feel it in how the guns handle and it can really throw you. Plus, as I said, the sound design is a bit inconsistent right now, where there's some guns that feel like they should be powerful that aren't, and there are some that aren't, don't sound powerful, but they are, like the uh, sidekick pistol. It's apparently a very good closer weapon to use with your assault rifle. It's I've been reading some analysis done of what weapons are actually working versus which ones aren't, and it's a very weird situation where especially the power weapons typically aren't actually worth it. Your assault rifle is now more viable right now than most power weapons, which is a very weird thing for a Halo game. Gotcha. Yeah. Um. I I think as the other hosts rotate back in and and join us, I I have a feeling I'm gonna be asking them about the game as well because I would be curious to see how the others feel about it too. Um. That said, uh, you you said you had to go. I, I was actually looking at this being the wrap up discussion anyway. So, uh, with that, we'll go ahead and call it here. Before we go. Uh, this is a chance for us to go ahead and just show the channels, our content, and where what we got going on. Uh, so we'll go ahead and kick it to you quick. Uh, Elijah, where can we find you? What do you got coming up, etc.? Um, so on Average Gamer, the YouTube channel is where you can find most of my videos going up. You can also follow me on Twitter, at Average Gamer, where I'll be sharing all of my written stuff because I write for enough websites now that it would be, you know, there's a lot of things to list there, but you can keep up for my and I for my latest reviews, op-eds, and um, every other Saturday I do the stuff of legends on Escapist for lore and stuff like that. And um, Fridays where I'm not on the new cast, I will now be streaming for Unbridged Gamer. Uh, my viewers vote for that, so um, on all other Fridays you can catch me on there, and I will be running around doing all kinds of shenanigans. Currently, we're going to be revisiting Dead Space 2 because in a weird way, that's become a family tradition for me now as I end up somehow playing a really violent action or horror game in the middle of the Christmas season. I don't know how that keeps happening, but it just... I'm embracing it! We're just going to we're gonna revisit Dead Space 2 and then um, do a review of it. So very excited for that. So yeah. Very good. Uh, as for me, if you're here, of course, you're watching it live, you already know where to find me, but it's Miss Michelle Jean, 1L Michelle... Uh, you can find me on Twitter, on uh, Twitch, etc. Um, of course, this is going to be available on Anchor if you want to hear the audio version of this podcast. Uh, my content coming up is on Sunday. I've got uh, PUBG Sunday with myself, Boondaba, and Music Chick. We're going to do our last PUBG of the year. Um, not sure what Sundays will look like after this particular one. We'll see how it is, how it goes, etc. Um, I don't have a command for that, Sarah. Looking at chat, <laughs> I to fix that. Um, Tuesday will be Control. We'll continue our way through Control on Control Tuesday. And then Friday, this coming Friday, a week from now, uh, we'll cross that bridge when we get there. Not entirely sure what that will look like. That said, for the Underbridge Gamer, my name is Miss Michelle Jean. This has been the Noobcast Podcast. Thank you so very much for watching. Have yourself a wonderful evening, everyone. Take care.